my guest today Thanks for downloading is Liz Bullock. She is CEO and co-founder of Schwartzman. Social the Arts podcast about how technology is changing which is focused on empowering organizations to subscribe scale, to the podcast or share feedback. Visit us online at OnTheRecordPodcast.com. On Twitter at On the Record. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for having me. On the I'm excited to have you at gmail.com. I know you know we're in the same business, and you were instrumental in uh, building Dell's social media and community university program. Tell us about uh, sort of the history of that, how long you were working on it, and what your involvement was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we launched the university um, a little over three years ago, and I was uh, heavily involved from the start. I was part of a Center of Excellence team, and my role was to figure out employee training and activation, and RVP came to me and said, all right, I don't know who we're going to train or what we're going to train them on, but I need for you to go figure this out. And so um, we actually, Dell's a pretty data-centric company, so we started with the data first. It made most sense to look at what was happening with um, customer conversations online about Dell. And what we found was, this was back in 2010, there was about 10,000 conversations happening a day in English only about Dell. And as we took a deeper dive into those conversations, we found they were very diverse. It was, yes, obviously about our products, but it was also about the marketing, about the sales experience, um, feedback, ideas, um, customers wanting to co-create with us. And then I also took a look to see internally what was happening with the organization. And I identified over 400 internal employees that were using social media in some form or format. Um, they could actually be managing a Facebook page. They could have a Twitter handle. They could be doing blogs. And once again, all these conversations were very diverse. Um, it was also, while we had some rock stars employees at the time, it was a very diverse makeup of um, employees and how they were u- utilizing social. And it became a very easy business case to basically say, hey, look, our customers are out there. They're having all these different conversations. This isn't just about our products. This isn't just about our marketing. And we've got a pretty big body of employees that are already doing some work around social. They may not be adhering to the best practices, to FTC rules. So I think it's, it makes pretty much um, sense for us to launch a certification training program. Let's have it where if any employee is using social media on behalf of Dell, they must go through the certification and let's make sure that these classes give them everything they need to know in regards to the strategy, our, best, uh, our policy and principles, best practices, measurement, tools, and really ensure they succeed to meet our customer conversations that are happening online. So for you and me, it makes perfect, perfect sense. I'm sure if anyone listening to this podcast, it makes perfect sense. But were there any points of resistance that you had to overcome to sell this concept of enterprise-wide training to the organization? I mean, obviously, marketing is going to see the benefit of that. But there may be others in the organization, legal, HR, compliance, who may have thought, well, do we really need to train everyone? Can't it just be marketing? Any um, hurdles you cleared there and any lessons learned from hearing those, clearing those hurdles? 
Absolutely. They were hurdles. At the time, Intel was one of the only companies that had launched a uh, company-wide training program. And so um, there, there wasn't that much out there in, in regards to other organizations doing it. And um, there definitely were hurdles. I remember, you know, some of my colleagues on the Center of Excellence team were like, you're crazy. But it, it really, it, it came down to a couple of fundamental facts, which one, you know, the numbers I shared earlier really helped build the business case in regards to our customers and our employees. Second piece, second piece was, you know, I made some assumptions that majority of our employees, a large percent, have personal social media accounts. And, you know, my assumption was that they were talking about Dell in some sort of format. And, you know, no one at the time understood the FTC rules around disclosure. And so it really became around uh, protecting our employees and protecting our brand. Um, I was blessed with the sense that um, our legal team understood that, and they were huge advocates of the training. Um, legal was an incredible partner, and they, they rallied um, behind us, and I think that also helped us uh, push forward to the other organizations um, as well. Now, why social media and community university? Like, why not just social media university? Why is community, which I, you know, some may consider a subset of social, broken out separately? No, that's a great question. Um, so for Dell, Dell obviously um, has, you know, heavy um, investment in social media properties like Facebook, Twitter, SlideShare, LinkedIn. But Dell also hosts a, a wide variety of on-domain communities. Um, like Dell Tech Center, IdeaStorm, and so the community actually stands for those on-domain properties. So we wanted to make sure that we were training our employees not only on the external platforms, but on our uh, on-domain properties as well, because um, there's so much that employees can learn from those on-domain communities, from the customer conversations, from the insights, from our advocates that are participating in those properties. Now, my understanding is the curriculum was broken down into course levels, right? 101 principles, 201 yes. strategy, yes. 301 brand guidelines, and then 401 was the platform-specific trainings. Um, was it a linear training program? Was everyone who obtained certification expected to progress through all those levels, or would, could some people who came to the training with a higher level test out of some of the lower level courses? Great question. And first off, Eric, I'm impressed you've done your homework. Nice job. Oh, sure. Um, yes. So we actually, we made the decision um, to have it where every employee that wanted to use social media on behalf of Dell had to go through those three courses and then a platform of choice. And we did it because there were several reasons. One, we wanted to make sure that everyone had the most critical information. Um, even though some employees have been practicing in social media for several years, we really wanted to make sure that, A, first and foremost, that we protected them as well as protecting the brand. Um, so we did ask that all go through, and we actually tracked that and would verify that they actually went through those courses and then they'd receive um, a certification. The other thing that we did was the classes built off each other, so there was information that we would give them that would lead to the next course. So it was kind of a continuum 
So we strongly recommended that they went from the 101, the 102 to 103 because it built that story for them. And then by the time they got to the platform of choice, that's where they were given the information on how they could actually be activated to go do this on behalf of Dell. And it was that last class where they got to see, okay, where's the governance portal where I can go access my Twitter handle if I want to go do that. So we also really tried to work and make sure that the content built off each other because it was also, it wasn't just training for training's sake. We actually wanted to change behavior. We wanted employees to do something differently because of the training courses. Now, what was the Dell governance portal? What was that? How, how did that interface with the training program? Yeah, so it was really critical for us to be able to keep track of all the employees that were using different social media platforms on behalf of Dell. There were several reasons for that. One was we needed to, A, make sure that we had a cohesive strategy for how many platforms were out there. So I'll give you an example Um, You know, an employee might ask for a Facebook account in small business, and another employee in that same small business marketing team may not realize it and also ask for a Facebook small business account, which doesn't make sense for us to have two of them. So we really wanted to, A, get a handle on what our social landscape looked like, um, but then also we wanted to be able to keep track of what employees had, what handles make sure that they were adhering to the brand look and guidelines we asked them to do. And also it allowed us to be able to share information with them on an as-needed basis. A few months ago, there were numerous corporate accounts that were being hacked into, and that governance model served as a great place for us to reach out to all of the owners of those different properties and remind them of password uh, best practices and tips so they could stay secure. So the governance portal was primarily a place where you register the username and password for a corporate branded account and then a a way for uh, Dell Corporate to communicate with those account managers? Exactly. That's exactly it. And we also had additional um, resources and information in the portal for employees to access as well. Now, was that, tell me about the, the format of that. Were those articles, were they podcasts, or were any of them actually online trainings? Um, there was there was training information. It wasn't online training, but there was uh, training presentations that they could download and reference um, as they needed. Got it. Now, the program was tiered. How do you determine between what should be covered like in a basic training versus an intermediate session versus an advanced session. If you're trying to fill up those buckets and and structure a tiered social media training program for the enterprise, what criteria do you use to figure out what goes where? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, For us, we, we really had to take a step back and we really had to start with what are the most important pieces of information that employees need to know in order to be effective. And we started with our policy first. We felt that everything had to be grounded in our social media policy and our principles and the rules of engagement for employees. Um, We also recognize that employees are very time sensitive. There's only so much time that they can actually dedicate to training. And so it was really critical that we share exactly the best practices 
and Dell's point of view on best practices so they could be successful. Um, for us, it was, you know, the first class, as you mentioned, it was really the, the principles and the policy. The second class was around let's ground everyone in what's Dell's strategy. Um, if you are going to be participating in this space, you know, how do you tie to business objectives? Who's your target audience? How do you effectively measure? What's Dell's strategy on these larger platforms that you may want to be leveraging? Um, the third class really went into building around brand look and feel and actions. So if you're going to be doing this, how can you adhere to the brand look and feel as well as making sure your actions um, support that? And then the, the platform of choices obviously dives more into um, specifics around uh, the actual platform like Twitter, Facebook. Um, but it was a balancing act. You know, everyone everyone comes in with a different understanding of social media, um, a different perspective, um, different biases. And so we really took a step back and said, what are the things that they have to know, not only the rules, but there's also a lot of judgment that has to be taught. And so we felt where are the key areas where they have to learn that judgment. And I used the example of the FTC around disclosure. I mean, that is of most critical importance that employees understand so we would spend more time on that piece um, than maybe, you know, some others. It's funny. You think about something like the FTC.com disclosure guidelines, which are, you know, always being updated and really have not been put to the test by the courts yet. I know. If you, if you look at the Communications Decency Act, all but Section 230 was gutted. And, and, and so you wonder, you know, whether or not these things are going to hold up, and, and, and obviously best practices are going to change, and um, legal best practices will change as the courts process through the guidance from the FTC. So it seems like you know when you start to hand out guidance on something like FTC disclosure, I mean, you're getting on a hamster wheel you can never get off because it's always changing. How do you deal with that? <laughs> well, you know, we, uh, first and foremost, we worked very closely with our legal teams to make sure that we had some really strong um, wording in our social media policy that was very clear about disclosure. Um, our legal team was heavily involved in following, you know, the changes with FTC and, and making sure that things were changes, cha as things changed, it was always reflected in our policy. Um, you know, did, did you work with Ryan Garcia on that? Yes, yes. Was he really the one of the one of the key folks on that team? Definitely, Ryan Garcia is one of the key folks. Um, I mentioned legal earlier in regards to being supportive of training. Ryan was one of our biggest advocates. Um, Ryan sat in our weekly staff meetings for the social media and community team. Um, he is as much of that team, and it's been a huge um, strategic player and contributor to our success. Got it. Okay. He was actually recommended to me uh, as a guest for this podcast, and I found out about him because when I followed you on Twitter, he was recommended to follow as well. Yes, you should absolutely follow Ryan. He is not only brilliant, but um, he's also very entertaining. Now, now basic training right, was for those who were sort of just listening, those who were just sort of listening in, not necessarily active. Intermediate was for employees using Twitter and participating in online conversations. And advanced was for those who wanted to use video and blog and generate original content. 
What, so it seems like Dell's training program was cheered by role first, knowledge level second. Is, is, that, is that accurate? No, so that, that isn't accurate. Um, you know, the, the training, um, well, I take that step back. I mean, it definitely was around roles. You know, whether you wanted to be doing this on a personal level or professionally, that's how we defined roles. Um, but then we didn't really tier the content for the certification by basic, intermediate, and advanced. Um, what we did was within each um, you know, course, we tried to give information that was relevant for basic and the intermediate audience and the advanced. I used the example of you know, if you go to a yoga studio, I don't know Eric can practice yoga, but if you go to a one class, time I went to time? one time I went to like yoga for like beginning geri- geriatrics. <laughs> Literally, it was like the easiest one you could go to, and I, and I thought I was going to die. I mean, I was like sitting there with this stool, and I literally thought, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? I can't do this. <laughs> well, I'm sure you probably remember then they, they gave you modifications. Hopefully they did. If, they were if I'd have had the modifications, I might have come back for a might second, have, second class. I was yeah. in and out of there. <laughs> well, if you were to go back to a second class with a good yoga instructor, you know, what they'll do is they recognize that in a yoga class, everyone's at different levels. And so they will, you know, provide different poses that will, you know, answer to kind of everyone's different physical needs to the class. And so they'll say, hey, you know, this is for more intermediate or this is how to take it to an advanced while still meeting the basic needs. So our, you know, our classes for certification um, hit that. I think where you might be talking more specifically about hitting more of our advanced audience was on the skill enhancing classes um, and some of the activation programs that we launched after certification. Um, Dell didn't stop just with just with our certification. We really tried to expand um, the, the learning criteria to meet our more advanced audiences. Um, as well as some activation programs to target um, key employees. We're talking to Liz Bullock about the uh, Dell Social Media and Community University, uh, which she was uh, a a critical component of when when she was at Dell. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about certification and other aspects of that program. Stay with us. Since social media platforms and best practices are always changing, Corporate training programs that teach employees how to use social media effectively for business have to be consistently updated as well. So before you commit to building and maintaining your own custom social media training program for your organization, check out ComplySocially.com. ComplySocially.com has the deepest, broadest catalog of always up-to-date online social media training courses in the world. Tweet at Comply Socially for access to any of our social media training courses for free. So now were all the trainings classroom trainings or were some of the sessions webinars or online self-paced trainings as well? Yes, so we actually started off in classroom first. Dell is obviously a global organization, and they're in 55-plus countries. 
so for our uh, EMEA and APJ and Latin America folks, we would actually do, um, you know, over the phone, which we quickly learned uh, was not the easiest for them to follow. And as we also learned, um, there's a very different style to presenting in person versus presenting over the phone. So we quickly changed that, um, but we still held to really having a classroom-led instructor um, because for us, there were a lot of dialogues and a lot of questions that Dell employees had that we felt we really need to have that face time to address those questions um, and, and really help, you know, move them along the, the learning curriculum. Um, we did run into scaling issues. Um, as I mentioned, 55-plus countries, 110,000 employees, and there was two of us that were uh, overseeing and, and deploying this program. And so in the first year and a half, we ended up launching a train-the-trainer ambassador program where we identified employees that had a passion for social, passion for the university, and volunteered on their own to basically learn the curriculum and go train in their regions on our behalf. So um, we did that for about a year and then recognized another scaling issue, and so we ultimately moved to online demand courses for the certification. There's still a mix. We still allow for in-person and on-demand um, to allow employees to pick their preference for how they best learn, um, but that's the, that's the formula right now. You look at some of these on-demand classes, particularly the compliance trainings that are out there, and you know, the production is usually a, a static slide with words, bulleted words that appear, often read by a computer-generated animaton that's, you know, reading it out as you, as you watch it. And then there's maybe a multiple choice, true-false, or matching question afterwards. And, um, you know, you can't underestimate the, the, the lack of attention we all pay to digital information these days. I mean, you know, you go to a web page, you're there maybe a split second to see if it has what you need, and if not, you're out of there. And, and then I think about younger generations, you know, digital natives who are growing up with this stuff. You know, their expectations of, of media, digital media, are very high if it's going to sustain their attention. And so from a production standpoint, if you're doing something like an on-demand course, how do, you, how do you deliver a product that's going to be compelling enough to actually sustain someone's attention? What, yeah. what does that need to look like? Yeah. So um, it's actually kind of a funny story when we were uh, building out the online demand course. Because, Eric, you know, I, I, I went through that same thinking and I was struggling because, you know, traditional compliance courses are non-exciting and people try to click through them as quickly as possible. They're not really getting the information they need. And, you know, once again, this, was, this for us was about changing behaviors. So um, I started to work with a traditional online learning agency, and it, it's exactly how you described it. It was, you know, static imagery, uh, pretty boring vo voiceover and it had that compliance feel to it and wasn't very exciting. And I actually decided to hire a local digital agency. This local digital agency had no background in training, but they did just phenomenal, beautiful digital work. 
And what I shared with them was I said, I want to create an online training experience that Dell employees have never seen before that's going to really put them in the shoes of having to make decisions real time around social media. And so we hired this agency to basically build this online digital course where the employee would actually physically be taken in to a beautiful coffee shop and then all of a sudden, you know, a tweet comes across and they reach for their phone and here's the tweet and how do they respond? And it was allowing them to actually go through what are those real experiences that could, that could be happening to them if they were certified and teaching them that judgment, teaching them that best practices, but then doing it in a visually compelling way to really stand out and to hopefully um, have some good takeaways for them. Um, so th- there was an assessment component, right, where they're, they, they're in a scenario and they have to take an action or answer a question, right? Yes. So was the certification based on a score or if they completed it, regardless of you know, wh- what their answers were, did they receive the certificate? So they did have to take an assessment at the end, and they had to hit a certain score to be able to move forward and get the certification. And then in terms of like access to social in the workplace on company-owned equipment, was, is access to Facebook at my workstation contingent on certification? No. So Dell was actually great about this. Um, for most regions, there were a few exceptions, few countries where we still have some challenges with this, but um, employees were actually allowed to access pretty much everything except for um, we had some issues with YouTube at times just because of the size um, that we run into with IT. But for the most part, employees could access. And there was an interesting article I read about two months ago talking about how employees that actually um, use social media at work, five or more networks, are actually more productive. Um, so I think Dell was great about that and forward thinking and, and letting those employees. Plus, if you think about it, everyone walks in with their mobile devices. If we're not giving them access on their system, I mean, they'll, they'll get it off their personal mobile device. Um, but Dell did allow that. They so Liz, how long can you hold someone's attention with a self-paced course? Um, I would say you probably have 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And, and then were you monitoring, like, not just completions, but how many people started? And, and was there a lot of drop-off? Was it difficult to get people to actually take the course? No, you know, social media, it was really interesting to see. Um, social media was such a fascinating uh, topic for Dell employees. Um, you know, when we first launched the university program, we set goals in place saying, hey, if we can train a 1,000 employees in six months, we've done our job. And by month one, we had trained over a 1,000 employees. We had no idea the excitement and scale and interest that employees would have around this particular medium. Um, I think the other piece was that we were giving them something different. We were talking about Dell's point of view What's Dell's strategy? What are Dell's best practices on Twitter? Which they couldn't get that information anywhere else. Um, So we actually saw quite high adoption 
for both in-person and online, um, you know, and uh, strong performance for employees going through the entire classes. Um, I've, you know, looked at data where I've looked at how many employees have actually gotten handled versus employees that have gone through training, and there's, a, you know, pretty incredible difference on how many employees have actually just gone through the training. I think there's just a lot of um, curiosity for this very powerful medium. Obviously, uh, Twitter was newer in 2010 than it is today. It wasn't as integrated into broadcast television, so it was uh, a little bit more cutting edge. Is there anything you can share at all about how adoption uptake completion of these online courses changed uh, during your tenure at Dell? Sorry, do you mean how often we refresh the content? No. Um, I mean, you know, obviously when you put it up, you know, it was gangbusters. A lot of people wanted the content. You probably saw a nice little pop in attendance. Um, but then, you know, the hard work of actually getting beyond that 1,000 early adopters to take the class. I mean, did you see that number go up, go down? Did it become more difficult, less difficult as time went on and people became more familiar with something like Twitter? Was, was this course less attractive at that point? No, it, it really hasn't been. Um, I mean, A, the, the courses are always available. And so there's continually um, employees going through the training. It's not like we just trained once and that's it. Um, but no, I would say there's, you know, been a continued interest. Obviously, you know, new platforms have come about and that will always kind of, you know, peak um, our more innovative culture's interest. Um, but I think that there, you know, when I look at the data, or at least when I look at the data, two months ago before I left, um, Twitter was one of the more popular uh, platforms for adoption as well as training. So obviously since you've launched this online training in 2010, a lot has happened. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, Instagram, we've seen Pinterest, we've seen Facebook graph search. I mean, it's always changing, right? We're always yeah. seeing new systems. There's no more Google Reader. So many changes. What was the plan? What is the process for, for, for systematically keeping a course like this up to date? How do you do that? Yeah. So we would, um, once a quarter, um, you know, review um, all the various platform classes to really ensure, you know, we had, you know, the latest and greatest um, information. Also, you know, keep in mind, you know, this was around, you know, Dell's story on these platforms and Dell's guidelines and so, you know, there were times where, you know, something might happen where, you know, big news for that particular platform, but, you know, as a, as a Dell organization, we had to ensure that we were actually, you know, using that or how are we using it. So um, we would once a quarter review that content and make those changes. Because we were doing in-person classroom training, that made it a lot easier um, to make that flexibility for the online courses, the online courses are only those first three classes. The platform classes I mentioned earlier are still in person just due to that constraint of how do you make that change, those changes for online courses. So it, it also makes you wonder if the, con, if the, 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 the how-to mechanics are always changing and best practices are evolving, it, 
does certification become a one-time event, or is it something that has to be maintained? You know, that's a great question, Eric. I actually got that question a lot. And, um, you know, at the time, you know, we said, you know, kind of a, a one-time certification. Um, you know, we felt that nothing had changed dramatically enough um, for us to have people go and recertify on our policy, on our strategy, and on our brand look and, look and feel. Like, none of that had really changed. Um, obviously, you know, if something were to significantly change, I, I think Bill would be smart to implement a recertification. Um, but at the time, we basically took, took the stance of kind of, you know, let's leave it at that um, and then really build off our activation programs um, and additionally support employees in other ways. And it, it must be a successful program because recently Dell announced that they were expanding their channel partner training program. Yes. Yeah. Talk to us about that. How did that come into being and how does that work? What is a channel marketing? What is a channel partner social media training program? Yeah. So Dell obviously has a pretty extensive uh, channel partner network. And so um, the, the channel team recognized that these are very valuable partners. Um, it could behoove them to be utilizing uh, social as well. And so they really took the reins and worked to build out um, a training program for that team. I actually, since I've left, I actually have not seen the content, but I thought it was great to see they were adding that, that value. Um, the other piece is that Dell has launched services where they're actually selling um, the training that we built internally um, through, the, through the work that we've done over the years and all the learnings that we've garnered around um, training and activating employees and best practices and um, all the training content itself, um, our Dell Services team now has an arm where they're actually um, selling this um, as well. At the end of the day, it's about teaching good decision-making skills. Yes, absolutely. How do you make sure people can distinguish between what needs to be kept private and what can be public? That's a great question. Um, you know, we did a lot. We were heavy in exercises and case study scenarios and um, showing where maybe other companies have had mistakes or wins, um, you know, to really um, kind of instill that judgment piece. Um, we also did, this is around our first course, but we would actually cover personal branding as well. And I think that kind of touches on the, the public and private piece. Um, you know, obviously, end of the day, you know, employees have their own personal social media accounts. And, you know, for the most part, as long as they're following, you know, you know our code of conduct, they can pretty much share, you know, whatever they would like. But we did some education just around awareness to help them think about their personal brand and, um, you know, make better decisions around that and educating them on how, you know, majority of companies are now using social to, uh, you know, research and recruit um, other employees. Um, so, we tried to instill some of that as well in that personal branding piece without being too draconian, draconium, draconium and telling them what to do. 
Um, but we could at least give them that guidance and thought process to think through as they're building out their program. Our guest has been Liz Bullock. She is CEO and co-founder of Social Arts and Science Institute. Liz, where can we find you if we want to connect with you? Great. Well, you can find me in several places. Um, I am on LinkedIn, and it is Liz Brown Bullock. I'm also on Twitter at Liz B. Bullock. That's two Bs. Don't do the one B. Otherwise, you'll get a very interesting Twitter thread that I can't promise <laughs> is uh, appropriate. Another Liz Bullock out there that has some interesting information to share. Um, and then also our website is uh, getsassy.com. So that's www.getsassy.com. And we'll have links to all those um, destinations in the show notes on the blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Whether you downloaded the show from the website, through iTunes, or through social media today, thanks for joining us. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.